This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chui Lin. Tonight, we're talking about the tobacco generational endgame bill and whether it needs to be revised. First, we're revisiting an interview with Dr. Kelvin Yee, who was part of the Parliamentary Special Select Committee, looking at the bill to see what the concerns were at the time. And then we check in with a public health specialist to explore what kind of finessing is needed to make the bill effective. So tell us, are you for or against the GEG? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and uh, the latest on the GEG bill is that last Thursday, um, it was reported that it will be re-examined. This comes from the newly minted health minister, Dr. Zaliha Mustafa, who's hoping to fine-tune the bill before Dewan Rakyat sits again next year. So just a quick recap, I think. Um, under the bill, the people born in and after 2007 would not be allowed to buy or use any form of smoking-related products, including e-cigarettes or vapes. Um, this is to create a smoke-free generation, beginning with those born after January 1st, 2007. So on July 27, the bill was tabled for its first reading by former Health Minister Kairi Jamaluddin, who was uh, a huge champion and, and you know someone who really pushed the bill forward. But uh, it was later referred to the Parliamentary Special Select Committee for fine-tuning. When the bill was announced, I think as part of this look back uh, on very recent memory lane, I think it was received with equal parts fervour and acclaim and concern, right? Because there were uh, generally people very hopeful that this did herald a change in terms of how we think about ending smoking. But there were also very valid concerns about implementation, about the punitive measures placed, about whether this is too much of a curbing of people's civil liberties. So all of that was part and parcel at the time and discussed, but then... Parliament was dissolved on October 10th. And so that was that for the time being. Yes. And of course, now there's a new minister at the helm. So um, she hasn't yet expanded on what it is that she means to uh, fine tune. However, she has talked about implementation of the bill overall, right? Um, Now, as you said, Lynn, a number of things that people have expressed concerns about. uh, But I think the the aspect that was most discussed was the penalties that come under the bill. So previously, uh, when it first started out, the bill stipulated that those uh, born from January 1st, 2007 onwards could be fined up to 5,000 ringgit if they were caught buying, smoking or possessing cigarettes and other tobacco and vape products. This has since been reduced to 500 ringgit after a lot of criticism for that high amount. Um, Offenders can also opt for community service instead of the fine. You may remember that there were also worries about whether this meant that enforcers could enter homes. Yes. Uh, And and that was part and parcel of this question of how exactly are you... are you going to make sure that people who are born after this this period of time 
when we talk about possession, for yeah. example, what do we mean? Yes, and and of course, then the practice of finding um, consumers or at all, and whether the focus should instead be only on those selling, caught selling to people born after two thousand and seven. So, a number of things that came under um, some amount of criticism, um, and which is what the parliamentary select committee that was established at the time was supposed to do. Uh, that said, um, you know, I think we saw supporters and uh, critics on both sides. So, for instance, the Malaysian Green. Lung Association. Uh, they said that the GEG should be free from politics and that, um, you know, this shouldn't be a political decision. Meanwhile, Ikram Health Malaysia President uh, Dr. Mohammad Afik Mohammad Noor um, essentially welcomed the minister's uh, decision and uh, said that reviewing it was a good idea. Um, he did, however, disagree with the suggestion from Undi 18 to postpone the ban um, to only be related to those born in 2023 instead of 2007, saying that this would be too late. So we covered this quite a bit uh, across the station when it was first tabled. And uh, just a quick revisit, at the time, we spoke to Dr. Kelvin Yee, committee, committee chairman of the Parliamentary Special Select Committee on Health Science and Innovation, about um, the, the criticisms surrounding the bill. Here he is sharing his concerns and the powers granted under it and uh, the risk of possible abuse. So basically, the Parliamentary Select Committee has had proceedings to meet all different stakeholders on this bill, so also to listen for their inputs and also to hear their concerns. So, of course, the main concerns that have been raised is whether the effectiveness of this bill and whether this bill will create unintended consequences, especially from uh, gaps of implementation. So when I talk about this, uh, concerns raised are often the rampantness of the illicit secret market, uh, issues of inconsistent enforcements or whether enforcements will be open up to abuse, uh, concerns of whether this infringe, of course, personal liberties of a person and whether this infringe even constitutional safeguards of equality under the law. So this is uh, a few of our many concerns that we raised by all the different stakeholders which was taken into account by the select committee. So basically in the bill, um, it gives a lot of powers to the enforcers, especially uh, I can give an example. To, to even uh, request for a spot check to determine if a person has a possession of a, a cigarette or even a, 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 a vape, especially those born after the year 2007. So we raise concerns whether this will be abused by unscrupulous authorities to simply spot check people, including children, which of course gives up to the, the open the doors to even harassment, petting, sexual harassment, and so forth. On top of that, this bill also gives power uh, for the police to even ask for your phones or even your computers, even data from your phones and computers to check if you purchase uh, such uh, vape products and everything. Again, these are very overreaching powers. Uh, we are concerned that it may open gaps for abuse, and this must be uh, regulated even more. Uh, of course, issues of uh, fines, issues of consistency of, of, of enforcement, especially when we look at the track record of uh, uh, ACTA 342 during the COVID period. So, so again, um, while the principle of the bill is good, but if it's enforced wrongly or if the inconsistency are enforced, we are concerned that it will be open, open up for abuse. Dr. Kelvin also talked about why there shouldn't be any criminalization, especially when it comes to the possession of tobacco products. He shared his thoughts on the bill punishing both the sellers as well as users, since other countries like New Zealand have taken the approach of only finding the seller of the products. So in our select committee recommendations, uh, we, we made a stand to show that, uh, to basically say that there shouldn't be any criminalization 
uh, especially when it comes to possession. Uh, our concern has been uh, for young people. Uh, the young people, number one, any children should not be fined because children are dependent and they, regardless of amount, they shouldn't be fined. Um, juveniles, they shouldn't be, for example, criminalized. They shouldn't have a criminal record. They shouldn't be in prison. Uh, we have proposed alternative uh, uh, so-called punishments, including community service, uh, mandatory counselling, so and so forth. That is why we are actually negotiating now with the, uh, the Ministry of Health to address this, to remove the criminalizations or even remove any uh, compound or punitive actions or possessions. This is something that we believe that education is the front line when we address this. And this is the most easy one to be open to abuse, especially, for example, I mean, possession is so vague. I could I could throw a cigarette into my friend's bag and he gets spot checked and he will be punished. I think that's unfair. When it comes to sellers, of course, I understand a lot of uh, cons- uh, we want to target the big boys, especially those that sell to the underage or sells knowingly these products to, to, to people that shouldn't be buying. But then they open certain enforcement concerns against. For example, uh, what if a, a, a company recruits young people to be agents to sell such a product? And by the definition of law, these young people are actually bound by the law, thus open to criminalization, open to fine, open to jail term, and so on and so forth. And this is not the spirit of what we want to do. So that has to be defined correctly. I can give another example. 7-Eleven, what if the person in the shop sells to a person he shouldn't be selling to? Who gets criminalized? Who gets the penalty? The seller in the shop or the company that owns 7-Eleven? So this will look that has to be addressed. At the end of the day, uh, we are very adamant and we are talking to the minister now. Hopefully, he is reopened to remove any criminalization, to remove any punitive action when it comes to possession, just like what it is done in New Zealand. That was Dr. Kelvin Yee, Committee Chairman of the Parliamentary Special Select Committee on Health Science and Innovation. Uh, to listen to the full interview, you can look for the podcast titled Is the Generational Endgame a Game Changer? on our website, bfm.my or the BFM app. So after this, we will be honing in on what this idea of uh, finessing or retooling the bill might look like. Um, what are some areas of concern? Uh, and for that, we will be joined by Professor Dr. Sharifa Ezadwanpute, Professor in Health Economics, Hospital and Health Management from the from University Kebangsa and Malaysia. Uh, but in the meantime, we would like to hear from you. Are you for or against the GEG? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Banish fraudulent manoeuvres. BFM. It is 6.18. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila Sharmila and Lynn. And we are talking about the GEG um, or the Tobacco Generational Endgame Bill um, and uh, recent comments from the new health minister that... um, they will be fine-tuning the bill. And so we thought we'd take the opportunity to discuss what that might look like to address some of the areas of concern. Uh, do send your thoughts our way. Are you for or against the GEG? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Professor Dr. Sharifa Ezadwanpute, Professor in Health Economics, Hospital and Health Management from the Faculty of Medicine at UKM. Dr. Sharifa, good to have you with us. Thank you, Shamila. So the new health minister has said that the bill will be re-examined before it's retabled next year. Do you think this is necessary? Oh, I definitely think this is necessary. There's a lot of issues regarding with the GEG and um, 
it looks very nice in the on the package, but there's a lot of uh, finer details that has to be uh, mapped out. And what issues um, do you personally have with the bill? Right, uh, I feel that the GEG is is um, is is good in the sense that it wants to reduce the number of smokers, and we know the issues of smoking in the country. It's one of the highest um, in in Southeast Asia, and uh, we are actually uh, competing with a lot of uh, diseases. We have so many problems, and the cost is very high. The issue is that uh, we have a very strong uh, statement in the sense of in the year two thousand and seven, uh, most of the population are not ready for this. That's number one. Number two is that the most uh, marginalized are the ones that do smoke. These are basically the low income and basically adolescent that comes from a marginalized population. They are of low economic status and some of them are, are, are also having some mental health issues and things like that. So in a way, they are the marginalized population. How do we cater for them? Because they are addicted to the tobacco and also to the nicotine. And, and the problem is that once we start banning uh, or basically ban um, so-called the tobacco, um, this will lead them to actually uh, look up for other options. And as mentioned by um, YB Calvin just now, the issue of illicit cigarettes, we also have illicit vape here. So the issue, they, they, they are going to go into other sorts of, of uh, mechanism, contraband and so on. So it will not solve the problem. The number three is that um, if, they are, if we are going to ban smoking is that... Um, and, and that's fine, but the issue is that where does this population turn to? We have NRT, the nicotine replacement therapy, and um, the last uh, Ministry of Minister of Health uh, has so-called uh, put it into the counter, meaning that people can purchase this OTC over the counter, and uh, access is going to be wider. But the issue is that are they going to be successful? A lot of countries has done that with NRT. It doesn't show that it's very successful in the end. And some of the developed countries has gone into other uh, reduced risk product or basically the smoke-free uh, products and, and things like that to reduce the number of, of people smoking. So, so these are some of the issues that we look with concerns of the, the you know, what's the population going to be once we start uh, banning uh, tobacco, but also uh, VIP. Now, New Zealand has a similar approach, the GEG in New Zealand. But as what has been mentioned just now, they are focusing more on the retailers and substituting uh, tobacco with very low nicotine in their products. So by right, we should be following suit and not actually uh, criminalizing the population or the smokers themselves, especially the young ones. So Dr. Sharifa, before we move further, actually I wanted to establish, um, in your opinion at least, is the GEG approach the one that we should be taking in the first place? Well, um, it is a very strong stance. And for me personally, if this is towards tobacco, I am fully up for it. I, I totally agree for GEG uh, against tobacco. I think this is one of the one of the evil in the country, but we have to take measures to prepare the population for this. At this point in time, um, where it's going to be stated that, you know, we have this date and that date, you know, going to be 2025, something like that, and going to start from the 2007 cohort of, of basically population that goes basically there when they are 18 years old. Now, we have to prepare this population because they will still be in contact with the older population or basically the, the older cohorts where they will be able to access cigarettes or tobacco through their parents, their friends, they might 
be you know buying it online or they might bring it from overseas so these are some of the 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 details that how are we going to contain this population from accessing tobacco in the first place of course we can say that oh you're not supposed to buy uh, when you're 18 and by right the retailers are not supposed to sell to them but it has happened before with alcohol it has happened with drugs you know we, they are not going to listen they are still going to be able to access some form or the other uh, all these tobacco so we have to be prepared to to prime the population and this can be in a staggered uh, manner so that we are able to prime this population on what's coming ahead. So the minister specifically highlighted concerns around implementation and that was something that earlier uh, Dr. Kelvin Yee touched on as well. Uh, What are the challenges you see here and how would you like to see them addressed? Well, I, I feel that if we are going to ban smoking, I feel that they must have an option. It's not only nic- nicotine replacement therapy, as as um, as I have mentioned before, some of the developed countries, and this can be something that Malaysia can look uh, forward to. We are knowledgeable about vape, but we do know that it is not risk-free. These are not for the consumers that are less than 18 years old. These are not people who are nicotine naive. These are for people who want to stop and who are able to probably switch to a lesser evil using some sort of smokeless products. Now, Japan has used something like this. Um, they have actually used something which what we call as the heat, not burn, eh? uh, things like ICOS and things like that. There are countries that move towards vape. There are countries that move towards uh, heated tobacco products. Uh, and uh, we have seen some success in these countries where the prevalence of the smokers has basically come down to because of these strategies. Now, there's going to be a lot of strategies that are in place. And I'm not saying that we don't need NRT. I'm not saying that we do need them, but there are a certain group of population that just do not not want to be attached to only NRT, they might have another options which is more viable, things like vape or heated tobacco products, things like ICOS, that they are able to purchase maybe with supervision, so they are able to switch to a lesser evil and basically reduce their risk of of harm. We do know the issues of uh, nicotine and we do know that nicotine is not meant for the adolescent and young children. They are very bad for for the neurons, they are very bad for the developing brain and we do know that, but the issue is that if they are able to switch from combustible cigarettes, which is even worse, to a lesser evil, things that we have done actually with a needle exchange program for HIV patients and also for drugs, we have changed them to into methadone replacement therapy. These are something which we call as harm reduction. And this is something that probably Malaysia can also follow suit to other countries as well. UK have done this, Japan has done this, New Zealand has done this, Australia in some way has done this. Now, this is not without issues. The, the difference with each country, uh, the prevalence of smokers, how bad is the illicit trade in their countries and what are the options viable in Malaysia, most of the smokers are basically the young, uh, uh, basically the one who are, you know, the lower income. They might not be highly educated if they are from the higher income and educated. They have other options and they can easily, you know, uh, get help in with their addiction. Now, these are the population that we are very scared that they will fall into the trap of illicit cigarette, which is even worse. So, um, you've advocated um, for smokeless products like vapes and e-cigarettes to be excluded from the GEG policy, uh, policy. But where this gets a bit complicated is that there is an argument that these still create a pathway towards consuming nicotine and can often uh, particularly be used by the industry to create this false perception of um, not being addicted, right? Um, so, could you explain your, your stand on this? Well, yes, nicotine is one of the 
addictive uh, ingredients and and there's a lot of studies on that but if you compare between the nicotine in a vape and compare this with combustible cigarettes the risks and hazards are definitely different it is not completely uh, safe we do understand that even nrt is not completely safe it also contains nicotine of course at a lower uh, dosage but with proper treatment some of these people who are not able to stop smoking using nrt who are not able to use NRT or not able to purchase NRT, they can actually be prescribed uh, some sort of uh, smokeless products and we are able to maintain and hopefully we are able to monitor them with supervision. So this is not something which is very easily, um, uh, the choice which is not very easy. We do understand that. A lot of these countries that has actually implemented this, even UK, New Zealand, Australia and, and Japan, they have control measures as well. And in fact, example, in UK, uh, they have their own regulatory uh, arrangements that to monitor the e-liquid and the, the dosing of the uh, nicotine concentration in their products as well. Now, this is not happening in Malaysia. What we have in Malaysia is basically a free market. There's a lot of illicit uh, e-juice as well because we are not regulating. And the problem is that once we don't regulate, we don't know what's happening with the population. They are taking anything under the sun. They are making their own e-juice. And most of these are open system. So we are very worried about this as well. Because nicotine, we do understand the addictive of nicotine, but they are less evil compared with the cigarettes. We must remember that most of the healthcare personnel, we must look into the signs, what's happening in other countries as well. It is not without their toxicology report. They have done their toxicology report. They have done their Cochrane reviews. These are all available uh, already. I am not talking out of my own uh, feelings. These are based on signs. And what we have in Malaysia at this point in time is actually not a safe environment. We must regulate uh, at this point in time. If we are going to allow people to vape at this point in time, uh, not waiting until the GEG, if we are going to allow people who are buying vape and ICOS and things like that, we must be able to regulate them as well. Because at this point in time, some of them are purchasing them online. It can easily be tainted with drugs and THC and, and things like that. It can be contaminated with vitamin E acetate. And we have seen the outbreak that has happened in US and killed so many people. Now, this is what very worrisome with us. I am so happy that the government has taken steps to actually monitor cases with lung injury secondary to vape, but we must be make we must make sure that whether the lung injury actually happened uh, concurrently because of smoking or is it happening also with COVID. So now this is something that we have to be really respectful and it has to be ethical as well. Um, I I am not uh, saying this out of my own mind. This has been researched. There are papers on this, and I am not saying that vape is definitely uh, safe. No, there are risks involved. They, they contain a nicotine and we must monitor the concentration that the population is taking because once at the moment, most of them are buying on their own and there's nobody to counsel them. And they just, they might actually be taking something which is higher concentration than what they are taking in the cigarette, which can be worse. So what's happened in other countries, example, in UK and things like that, they are taking, by right, by right, eh? the guidelines that is produced by NICE in UK, they must be taking something which is less than what they are taking now with the cigarettes. That means if you're a smoker that consume about one packet of cigarettes per day, you must be actually uh, counseled to take something which is less than that and use it for that whole day as well. Now, these counselings are not 
in place at the moment. Dr. They Sharifa, are taking, uh, I yeah, just yeah. need to interrupt because we do have to get to the news, oh, sure. but we will keep you on to continue the conversation after this. Uh, we are speaking with Professor Dr. Sharifa Izzat Wanpute. Keep your thoughts coming on whether you are for or against the GEG um, and we'll pick up the conversation after this. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. It is 6.39. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about the um, generational endgame, or rather the proposed GEG bill. And... um, news that the health minister is going to be fine-tuning the bill before tabling it next year in the day one, right? Yet, And so we've been asking you, are you for or against the GEG? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We're continuing our conversation with Professor Dr. Sharifa Ezatwan-Pute, Professor in Health, Economics, Hospital and Health Management uh, at the Faculty of Medicine from UKM. Uh, Dr. Sharifa, just to pick up uh, where we left off. So one key area that's been often debated when it comes to the bill is the weight of the punishments. Uh, Do you think they strike a balance between, on the one hand, being a deterrent, but then on the other hand, also being fair? Well, well, I think the criminalization will usually would not work in, in public health programs and public health policies. Uh, criminalizations of especially youngsters um, because in in our uh, focus in Malaysia we are also targeting targeting the smokers who are the young ones and you know this is looks very bad on Malaysia as a whole I think we should actually target the retailers or the business behind it and this is what has been done by uh, GEG New Zealand rather than targeting the youngsters now remember the one that smokes or probably purchase vape um, would be the young ones and they might not be, you know, highly educated. They might not be having uh, income. So in a way, we are, you know, sort of criminalizing um, the people who are already marginalized in, in the population. I, I don't think this is a good idea. And how can the GEG take a stronger stance against illicit trade of contraband cigarettes? The, the country basically needs to invest more on this. Um, I think that we have to tighten our borders um, this is nothing new. It's no rocket science. We have been trying to say that all over again, again and again. And uh, collaboration with different ministries is very important. Um, but we have to invest, I think, on that. Um, I think more uh, probably uh, enforcement, but more costs, more budget have to be allocated for that. And that is not, it's not an easy stance. We are surrounded by waters. They can easily come in and, and things like that. And uh, we need to make sure that, you know, we are able to comment or report, you know, in a safe manner, people who actually sell illicit trade. And we can see this in in some of the public toilet and things like that. So this is not something which is, you know, um, something which is, um, of course, it is unlawful, but it is sometimes uh, seen in in many areas um, nowadays. So this is something uh, that the country really needs to work on. Uh, Even though we increase our tax by 30%, 30%, whatever, they are not going to work if the illicit cigarettes are available. At this point in time, we have seen some of the statistics looking at, you know, one in two, one in three cigarettes being sold are actually illicit or contraband cigarettes. These are cheaper, uh, it's easily accessible, they, sometimes they can buy in bulk purchases. So I, I'm also wondering why this is happening, you know, and, and this causes a lot of uh, problems in our GEG and also our tobacco control. So um, education is often brought up as something that is important in this process um, as the uh, sort of complement when it comes to implementation as well as enforcement. 
Are we doing well enough in that regard? What else do we need to be doing? Um, we are trying. Our, I, I know that the government is trying our, our best, and and even as healthcare professional, as as example as myself and things like that. When we go to schools, we talk about a lot of things. You know, sex, uh, health education, keeping healthy, COVID. You know, but we also talk about illicit cigarettes and also not to smoke. But the issue is that sometimes some of these uh, students or youngsters, basically, when they come back home. They are being exposed to parents or relatives or the community who are smokers. Now, there's going to be a circle because it's not going to end. The, most of the, the students or the youngsters who are exposed, even though that we tell them, you know, from from Malaysia to the moon, they are not going to hear us because the the exposure is already there at home. So this is very tricky uh, situation because it goes back into the illicit cigarettes. They are the parents or whoever is purchasing them are able to purchase and then sometimes sharing with the youngsters. So even though the schools are having modules, you know, talking about uh, safe living, you know, preventing obesity, NCDs, but also preventing smoking, they are sometimes caught with, uh, you know, the youngsters are caught with smoke in their hand as well. And some of them are using vape as well. Now, this is the problem. And some of these are sometimes undetected. I'm not blaming the teachers. It's going to be a difficult situation, not only focusing on the exams, but, you know, we have now to become a uh, you know, perfect and trying to catch them using illicit cigarettes or smokes uh, in the toilet and things like this is not an easy fit. And we have done this again and again. And until the government are able or basically the enforcement are able to curtail the illicit cigarette trade uh, in Malaysia, I, I don't. I think this is a very dim situation. In closing, what else needs to be implemented to make a smoke-free Malaysia a reality? Well, um, it, looking at other countries, eh, this is what, one of the reasons why some other countries, they have introduced newer, innovative concept, things like smokeless tobacco. And I'm not saying that Malaysia um, 100% has to go through this. Yes, we have an option, what we want to choose. But some of the ways that they want to reduce the number of people who are smokers, including the young ones. Eh, it, there's a lot of reports eh, from the National Health Mobility Reports and things like that, that not only that, the uh, prevalence of male smokers are very high in Malaysia. Well, female not so bad, but they are also exposed to smoking at a very young age. Some start at 10 or 12 and we have the prevalence for that. Now, this is very sad and this is happening at multiple levels, even in the rural areas as well. And we must need to control that. The issue is that how are we going to control that? Most of these students, so-called or, or adolescents, they purchase uh, illicit cigarettes because they are able to purchase at a lower cost, you know, legal cigarettes are actually much um, more expensive. It's difficult to assess. They are not able to purchase this, this legally. In some other countries, example, in New Zealand, what, they have, what happens is that they make sure that retailers uh, come forward. Not only that they have to be legally uh, identified, but in the end, they are in a way forced or coerced to sell a reduced a concentration of nicotine in their products. Now, again, whenever this is a cigarette, even though your concentration is low, there are still combustion paralysis. Now, what happens is that when there's paralysis or combustion, you have you have your all your chemicals, you have your tar. So this is still going into your lungs. So we don't want that as much as possible. If possible, we are going to ban that um, totally for for smokers as well. Um, I think the government has done a lot, uh, Shirley. We have we are uh, signatories of the WHO FCTC. We have done a lot for the countries, but but in some ways we are not able to succeed because of all these problems that has been mentioned. Dr. Sharifa, thank you for speaking with us today. 
Welcome. That was Professor Dr. Sharifa Ezatwanpute, Professor in Health Economics Hospital and Health Management from the Faculty of Medicine at UKM. Uh, let us know, are you for or against the GEG? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this um, for your messages. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9. It's 6.47. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are discussing um, proposed fine-tuning or rather um, a potential fine-tuning to the generational endgame bill. This was announced by the health minister. And so we are asking you, are you for or against the GEG? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. I do think we have a caller on the line. Good evening, Victor. What are your thoughts? Good evening, Lynn and Samila. Uh, imagine this is the year of two one zero seven. Anybody who has lived, uh, who has, uh, who, who was born before two zero zero seven has died. So what would happen to the GEG? Virtually, I, I think uh, it means that tobacco is outlaw then, isn't it? Because nobody can buy it. So do we have to wait until 2107? <laughs> uh, I think it's... I, I think this law is a des- desperate measure, I mean, uh, during desperate time. But to me, it... Uh, by the way, about the live thought from last year, I think a lot of politicians got found out, as uh, President Lincoln told us, you can fool some people all the time. You can fool some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. Victor, thank you. Victor, thank you for your thoughts. Um, if you'd like to weigh in on the uh, tobacco generational endgame bill, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. 900 uh, You can also send us a voice note, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You can send us a WhatsApp as well. Um, and uh, that question again, are you for or against the GEG? You... Call us, WhatsApp us, send us a voice note or tweet us. We're getting plenty of opinions. Yes, and I'd like to add on to this, actually. So uh, just as a refresher, even though we've been talking about it for a while, we, we say GEG, but the idea here is it's a generational endgame, right? So in other words, people born in and after 2007 would not be allowed to buy or use any form of smoking-related products, e-cigarettes or vapes. In other words, people who are 15 this year uh, moving forward will not be able to, to purchase it should this happen. Happen. Um, there are things that have been of concern, including whether or not, say, someone who is 16 this year, passing a cigarette to a person who is 15 this year, whether they would then be fined. You know, and, and so all of those things are being discussed. But um, alongside that, I'd like to know. In general, would you like to see more stringent measures applied, even if it isn't the GEG? to tackle the issue of smoking? Because if you recall, there have been this is the latest in a list of a few initiatives, including, um, you know, the the fines for public smoking, the limitation, the, the limiting of spaces mm. in public where you can, in fact, smoke. And each time that is discussed, uh, we come back to the exact same thing. Um, are we curbing too many freedoms? 
in the name of public health. And so even if you don't necessarily have thoughts on the GEG itself, I'm curious to know, in general, how do we feel about more stringent measures or harsher punishments to curb smoking? Is that an approach you think would work? Um, and, you know, this was a conversation, you're right, that comes up. Um, and that there are always people on both sides of the divide, right? One we shouldn't be putting in uh, we shouldn't be putting in legislation that impinges on personal liberties. On the other hand, um, no smoking is bad. We need to weed it out, um, you know, in whatever way we can. Um, to respond to Victor, also, I think mm. it's worth keeping in mind that the GEG in its um, in its current form is meant to essentially um, do exactly what the name says to create a generation of people who did not grow up smoking, uh, because of course. Um, there's plenty of evidence that says uh, smoking is something that the younger you get, um, you get hooked onto, the more difficult it is to let go, and so on. Um, that essentially is the intention. Um, whether you support it or not, however, is what we're talking about today. I just wanted to read this from Owen, who says, I've smoked for 45 years since I was 12. I am 4GEG. Um, 4GGs in all caps. We hear this a lot. Um, so the. In my experience, oddly enough, uh, or at least in my personal circle, the people who are pro-GEG are smokers and the people who are not for it are non-smokers who nevertheless don't like the idea of freedoms being curbed. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic because you have people who have smoked for a long time, who have struggled to quit, who have done the thing that, um, from my understanding, many smokers do of trying, failing, returning to the habit, trying, failing, returning to the habit, starting again on New Year's, starting on birthdays, you know, doing all that and nonetheless finding it hard uh, to, to give it up for good, um, saying, no, I think something like this, where you're taking a more hardline approach, is the way to go. That's what I find interesting, where, because I think where you land on the hardline versus no, no, don't impinge on people, is also going to depend on your personal experiences. Well, speaking of harsher measures, uh, Jay says, the end generational, uh, the generational endgame bill should revert to the initial year that was proposed, those born 2005 on Words. We need to nip it in the bud and it should start from those school leavers in the coming year. Uh, dear Minister, please revert to 2005. I agree that it shouldn't be criminalised, have alternative punishments like charity um, or, or community service, I suppose. Alternatively, the GEG may shift to reducing smoking zones and increasing non-smoking zones. Secondly, increase the tax on tobacco products. Basically, make life difficult for smokers. But at the end of the day, enforcement is key and Malaysia is not a high enforcement nation. Jay, there are so many different points in that. Um, I, I'm, I find it hard to engage uh, meaningfully on the 2005-2007 argument, uh, partly because I, I think that two years, I understand what we're saying that, you know, if you're going to do it, might as well just do it now. Um, but I think two years isn't to me a, a tremendous amount of difference, unlike what's been proposed previously, which is to start with people born next year, which is a different proposition entirely. So um, the difference of two years, I'm not sure. I do think, though, that your points about reducing smoking zones, increasing the tax, all of that uh, are all of that are interesting. I think along with increasing the stick, um, making it difficult for people to smoke, making it expensive for people to smoke, it should also be made easier for people to quit. In other words, more support programs, um, more access to more access to products that will help you wean off, um, more affordable access to said products. So things like that. I, I think it needs to go hand in hand. The folding in of mental health care when it comes yeah. to quitting. Can you imagine the amount of deeply cranky Malaysians? Can you imagine what would happen <laughs> if just one day we banned tobacco? There's just no such thing, even though that's not what's being discussed. Can you imagine 
the um, the increase in road rage. <laughs> just, just you know, think about I'm it. thinking of having to take a long haul flight, and the the fervor with which smokers disembark from the plane so that they can get to the smoking room, and I can imagine what that day would look like. Um, we also have uh, let's see, we have Jason saying GG is a long term game. In principle, the questions about the mechanism is not so big uh, is not so big a concern as the goal that say a hundred years from now the nicotine will be 100% banned like drugs are uh, it's more on whether it's a big enough public health issue to warrant curbing and limiting people's rights or lifestyle choices and you know Jason I you know I, I read that out because those are really the the two halves of the equation isn't it um, is this a big enough public health issue um, is this a big enough public health issue that it's worth limiting, quote unquote, people's rights or lifestyle choices. So is it something that we're going to just allow people to make decisions for themselves? And I think where you fall on this may also depend on how you think about public health and what the role of public health is. That and I think it is maybe a little bit simplistic. Uh, I agree with you broadly, Jason, but I think it's a bit simplistic to say that a mechanism is not so big of a concern if you're talking about, as they were previously, um, very heavy fines. So I think if, if you're not affected by it, then it doesn't feel as much like, like a big deal. But if you were, you know, uh, I don't know if we can just brush that off. We do have a caller on the line. Uh, good evening, Abdul Rahman. What are your thoughts? Yeah, good evening. Um, uh, thanks for having me online. You know, I, I see in Malaysia, you know, you can't discriminate by age. You are saying the youngsters to stop smoking and then while you allow the elders uh, to show a kind of bad example, you know. And then our enforcement is very lacking. You know, there are kids as, as young as 13, 14, even in secondary school, they start smoking, you know, and teachers and parents couldn't do anything. And it's a particular a particular race is behaving in this society without prejudice, you know. I don't want to mention the race, but it's sad. Uh, we know smoking are bad, but people should, I mean, people, they want to have a liberty smoking, go ahead, but they should do it discreetly, you know. They, put, they have to put aside their ego, and I, we can see in the in the society, in the community, sometimes the father smokes in front of his wife who is a pregnant and he has small little kids. And nobody, uh, uh, how do I say, uh, caution them, you know, or even uh, comment it, you know, stop it, you know. And it, and you can see so much, so obvious. People do smoke so, uh, uh, what do you call, openly in the public park in open restaurants, and people are afraid of uh, uh, saying, uh, you sh- I mean, you shouldn't smoke in open space because those who want to live, they want to live uh, peacefully without being harmed, you know. I mean, life, the air doesn't belong to a smokers alone. Everybody needs oxygen, and, and, and we are keep on burning and burning and... and, and, and it's really sad for the environment, you know. So we got to be all out to educate the community and the society. That's all my thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, Rahman, for your thoughts. Um, if you'd like to weigh in, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. 332 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, I think we have time for maybe one more message on this side of things. We have DK saying, fine-tune the GEG as much as necessary, but make sure it's implemented. Don't let the tobacco and vape industries have their way. The future of Malaysia's health is at stake. Don't let this courageous bill be sabotaged 
sabotaged by selfish interests. Yes. uh, And to be fair, so far what has been said is that it is fine-tuning. There is a hope, uh, or rather, I think they are planning to, as far as possible, table it again next year. So it is coming to the House. It's just a question of what version of the bill is coming. Keep those thoughts coming. Are you for or against the GEG? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Uh, We will be back after this for more of your messages. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9. The business station. It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And uh, we are talking about the health minister saying the generational endgame bill will be fine-tuned before being presented again to parliament next year. And so we're asking you, are you in support of harsher measures when it comes to smoking? Where do you land on that argument between infringing people's freedoms and freedom of choice. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So just to complicate matters, Ivan says, drugs are illegal, but it still doesn't solve the issue of what next, you know? Are we going to ban sugar consumption? It's a big health problem, which is always... Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, I feel like... We we are already talking about the sugar tax, right? So not a ban, I wouldn't say, but I do think that these sorts of punitive measures are increasingly viewed as a way to a one way towards this. So okay. I said ban earlier, but I was speaking hypothetically. Um, I think we need to make it clear that the generational endgame bill does not propose to ban cigarettes. Um, Even the earlier issue of smoking in public eateries did not ban smoking. Um, Instead, they place restrictions uh, in the case of GEG on who can smoke, um, who can sell cigarettes. In the case of the public smoking, of course, on where you can smoke. So to be fair... um, I think the sugar tax comparison is an apt one because it is about inconveniencing and complicating uh, the act of consuming cigarettes or sugar, depending on how you look at it, and not so much to do with an outright ban. And perhaps thinking about it from the point of view of a ban isn't helpful. We do have a voice note that has come in. Uh, This is Nafis. Hey, BFM. Uh, Nafis here. I think I'd like to point out the psychological behaviors. I'm not a psychologist, but uh, drawing from my own personal experience, I used to be a staunch uh, advocate for non-smoking uh, to the point where I put my dead cigarettes in the toilet. But regardless, uh, when I went to school, I got to hostel uh, form two, I saw my friend smoking and I just thought, wow, that's cool. And that's how I myself got into smoking and I used to be a very uh, hardcore smoker, two packs a day kind of guy. And um, even with the knowledge uh, and education and awareness that um, I think uh, was embedded in me when it comes to the health effects of cigarettes, I still I still smoked. And I think it was largely due to peer pressure and how easy it was for me to get cigarettes from the security guard. Or my friends to get cigarettes from their brothers or uh, from their friends who are a bit older than them. Uh, I think I think that's something that maybe we have to point out, especially when it comes to to the GEG. 
Nafis, uh, thank you for that. If you'd like to weigh in, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also send us a voice note, 018-789-8899. You can WhatsApp us there as well, or you can tweet us. Um, such good points being made by Nafis, right? Because, um, yes, peer pressure, easy availability, all of these are exactly why um, this conversation about how implementation uh, can be much more challenging than we think, um, that's the reason why we're talking about that. Yes, the question of availability of being able to bum cigarettes or being able to ask people to buy you packets, even if you fall outside of that age range. All of that, I think, um, is why, firstly, enforcement needs to be strong. And uh, enforcement needs to be strong without trampling all over people's privacy and liberties. And I think that's a very hard balance to strike because, um, Nafis, I think all your examples showcase how this can happen in private spaces. Security guards, friends, brothers, these are all, you know, things that will happen at home in condominium buildings, you know, what have you. It's not necessarily like the 7-Eleven example, for instance. So that's one thing. Um, and the other, so enforcement is one, but also, if there's no, you said education wasn't enough, and we hear this a lot as mm. well. I don't know what then needs to go hand in hand, but something certainly does. I, I don't think it can be as simple as don't smoke because you can't. Um, it has to be don't smoke because you can't, and here is why you are, here's why you shouldn't. See, here's the here's the reason why when we talk about smoking addiction. Um, it becomes so complicated. The point Naf is made, it looks so cool. It's exactly the thing that appeals to people at a particular age, right? Um, where you're not inclined to listen to uh, what adults might say. You don't necessarily think of what might happen to you 30 years from now. Um, but in the meantime, you get to look cool. You get to fit in with a gang. Um, and all of these are actually very profound psychological factors that perhaps we haven't really addressed enough. Education, meaning a teacher figure telling you in school, don't smoke, is the opposite of cool. Why would that necessarily convince someone not to do it? Well, uh, Daos is saying, people who smoke know that the bad long-term health is the trade-off they, t- they took to have a lifestyle of smoking. The reasons why people smoke is much more complex than simply asking them to stop. It's a mixture of addiction, habit, coping mechanism that's considered effective for them to live efficiently. What can we do to provide the same as that? And um, Daos, you know, to your point, I find this interesting. Um, so I'm a non-smoker myself. I, I um, hung out with smokers and I never felt that same peer pressure that, that we're talking about today. I don't know why. Um, it's not, actually it's not for anything. I just never wanted to smoke. Mm. And so because of that, I, I can't necessarily relate to this feeling. But I, I, I think your first point, people know that the trade-off is bad long-term health. There is a huge difference between knowing that objectively uh, between knowing that just in your head and knowing that as a fact. Because by the time you get to the point where your health degrades, it's too late. And nobody, I, I don't think any 15-year-old is like, oh, I worry about my heart health. We do have a caller on the line. Good evening, Atnan. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening. Okay, my thought is, uh, uh, okay, I'm for the law to be passed. But I also want to encourage the government to put money into education from kindergarten onwards. So we educate the kindergarten, primary, secondary, at all levels, to educate them about, against smoking. So we can have a better uh, future for our kids. 
And this then, is, we were yeah. actually just talking about how on the other side of education is things like peer pressure and the fact that smoking is often viewed as being cool. Um, do you think education is enough to combat that? It, it, it should not come as an education as in, in the subject in the school as much as is into uh, uh, building your own personality. So you are so if you have a strong personality, so peer pressure is less. And if we allow all this peer pressure to come around all subjects, then we can reach the drugs one day. So it's very important for any kid to know that whatever they think is right and they are doing the right thing. And who uh, who will give us the right thing is the teacher, the lecturer, the surrounding. This is my opinion. Thank you for your thoughts, Atman. Um, if you'd like to call us, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. You can uh, tweet us at BFM Radio. We will continue the conversation after this. Um, we're asking you, are you in support of harsher measures when it comes to smoking? Where do you land on whether it infringes people's freedoms? Send those thoughts through and we'll continue after this. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. It's 7.17. You're listening to Inside Story with Charmila and Lynn. And we are closing off um, the conversation on the GEG, uh, specifically because the health minister said the bill is going to be fine-tuned, particularly when it comes to implementation. And so we're asking you whether you're in support of harsher measures when it comes to smoking. Where do you land on whether it infringes people's freedoms? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a WhatsApp or voice note at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio, and we still have plenty of messages. I'd like to contrast two. Uh, so Sean says, my dad, who is a smoker, was forced to quit because insurance premiums kept going up. It's a good technique to stop everyone, hit the wallet, but he really needed help to quit. Oh, um. I've heard this from a number of people, um, insurance premiums just becoming too expensive. Um, I've heard this when, from people who moved to countries like Australia, where they suddenly found that a smoking habit was just too expensive to keep up. I do think hitting the wallet is one way to do it. I'm not sure it does a lot in terms of contraband cigarettes, though. Yes, but I, I was reflecting on really needed help and, and whether or not you feel um, once that happens that you have said help, mm. that, that it's there for you. Um, so... If you have, on the one hand, the stick, then uh, Arfu is offering a carrot saying, how about instead of banning or enforcing laws to curb smoking, we reward non-smokers. Positive reinforcement always works better than penalisation. I hate to do this. Does it? I I would like to think so. I would. I would. But I'm not sure it does. I can't speak to whether positive reinforcement always works. I'm also wondering how positive reinforcement will work for non-smokers, i.e. just because you never picked up a cigarette, do you get something? But I think, though, as you suggested earlier, Lynn, um, positive reinforcement for people who quit, um, support for people who quit, is one way in which we can offer the carrot in a particular way, I think. Uh, Meanwhile, we also have... uh Anil, who says, I'm for the GEG. I've been smoking since the age of 17. I wish I never put that stick in my mouth. I've tried chewing gum. I've tried vape. It's just not happening. See, again, people who smoke people who for a long smokers. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Munif is saying, when you, and this is in response to um, someone else who messaged earlier to compare the, uh, compare 
uh, restrictions what's against. Next? Sugar? I know what's next. Sugar ban. <laughs> That's exactly it. Munif is saying when you eat sugar, you don't trouble anyone. When you smoke, you litter everywhere. You ruin the ambience for everyone. You pollute the environment. <laughs> Here for the ban, the sugar point does not hold up. I love the ruin the ambience. <laughs> There's something about that that I really enjoy. Like. You ruin the ambiance in this terrible alley. <laughs> but, but you know, it's true, it's true. Hey, in the enjoyable mama, also, yes. ambiance ruined. Yes, um, a rat can run by and you're like, cool. But, <laughs> but secondhand smoke? No. Death, way. yes. <laughs> um, we do have a caller on the line uh, who is preferred to be anonymous. Good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening. Um, I'm all for tobacco control laws. Uh, but the only thing that is lacking in Malaysia, in our country, as you, we all know and we have said earlier, is all about enforcement. Um, the current tobacco laws, if you were to look into the provisions of the law, has uh, adequate um, controls to put in place to ensure that people below the age of 18 do not smoke. But, um, as you know, it's lack enforcement. And if you look into countries like Australia, Singapore, um, these are heavily enforced in the sense that whenever the retailers are not implementing controls, they would be um, in breach of the law and actions would be taken against them in terms of, you know, for example, their licenses, their retail licenses will be suspended or um, even worse, uh, being taken away. Uh, but if we have GG in place, but we do not enforce, it's like having a nice luxury car at home, but we still use our country to drive to work. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, but um, the question mark is still on enforcement. Secondly, on fundamental liberties, I'm of the view that, um, you know, where do we draw the line? Um, we, I mean, we were talking about, I mean, you guys were talking about sugar earlier, but what about alcohol? Or everyone knows about the impact of alcohol, how it's bad for the health as well. It's taken not in moderation. So what, uh, what, what's next? Are they going to be banning alcohol next uh, for those who are born after 2009? Thank you for those thoughts. Um, if you'd like to weigh in, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also send us a voice note at 018-789-8899. Um, a couple of people who are actually agreeing with our call over there or making similar points, MP says, I'm totally for the GEG, but at the end of the day, it boils down to enforcement. Look at the ban on smoking in eateries. It's still happening. You know what's sad? You know what's sad? There was a significant there was a moment where people were scared oh, and yes. stopped. I remember the halcyon days. Yes, um, of being able to walk past somewhere and go, look at that. <laughs> and now um, it's it's very common, I think, to drift past an outdoor eatery and smell and see the, the smoke kind of drifting about. And so it, it's very much back and that has to do with enforcement. Um, I also think that there are points being made now on the subject of freedoms um, and what's next in some ways. So Kelvin, for example, says it, it affects every aspect of freedom. Why cigarettes first, not alcohol or gambling? Um, both of the latter are more potent and harmful. Um, it's by holding on to the freedoms that we allow everyone their responsibility to choose. I'm against the bill. I'm a previous smoker. I quit on my own. I smoked since I was 15. I stopped three years ago. It's not because of health. I was just sick of it. Uh, Danny also says, I honestly think it infringes on people's freedoms. It's premised on the government knowing what's best for you. But to think of it, if we allow this to go through, what's next? Legal gambling, alcohol, people should be allowed to decide for themselves. We cannot allow the government full power on people's lives. So these are actually um, very valid discussions and arguments to bring to the table, right? Because um, I think I think it's one thing to say smoking should be illegal for 
minus. It is another thing to say that um, it is another thing to say that adults shouldn't be allowed to make these choices. But then, the reality is we also have drug laws, right? So where is that line between um, alcohol gambling legal for adults, drug laws illegal for everybody? Where do we situate cigarettes in terms of this idea of harm? Which which nobody seems able to agree on. Or when I say nobody, I'm talking about us here in this discussion. The experts know. <laughs> but, you know, um, for us, I think asking this question, it's why these comparisons keep coming up. What about sugar? What about drugs? What about this? What about that? And I think it is because of this exact thing of what is the spectrum of harm? Can we even decide and agree upon what it is that, that that's supposed to be? Uh, we also have, um, let's see, this from um, Francis, who says, uh, non-smoker here, I think we should view ending tobacco, cigarettes and nicotine products to the public, not only from a physical health perspective, but mentally also. I think smokers who keep smoking or can't quit um, are because of that instant dopamine that they gain. I believe modern society will replace whatever physical illness, even if there are no nicotine products, for example, illnesses caused by high sugar intake, again, the sugar point. Um, I think MOH should consider this before the enforcement of GEG. I think lowering down the nicotine percentage is a more realistic and feasible way, as we always see drastic change uh, can easily be U-turned on? I think one that's perhaps one. The other is that drastic change may look good on paper, but is it actually going to translate into the ground? And that's where I come back to implementation. I will be honest, I have not yet decided for myself where I land on the personal freedoms versus harm. But I do have doubts about enforcement. Do you sometimes feel that it's difficult um, to engage with it as a non-smoker to a degree? So that, that's yeah. absolutely it, right? Mm. I feel a little bit like I can't make a value-free judgment on this. Uh, I can't and I also can't speak to the... I can't speak to addiction. So, so it's a tricky one to have, even though, of course, it, it affects us as well. So we have a number of people sharing their own experiences. Um, hang on. I think actually we have a call on the line. So let's uh, get to that first. Good evening, Chua. What are your thoughts? Good evening, Shamila. I just wanted to share my thoughts as a smoker for 20 years. 20 odd years, and I've been uh, secret free for the last two and a half years. So I can't speak for all smokers, but I believe the uh, generation end game is an important ruling, and I'm for it. Is because no smoker or foremost smoker would want their next generation to be a smoker. I mean, you can just ask any of your friends or someone that you know that are a smoker. Would they want their kids or their next generation? to be a smoker themselves. So that is the reason why I believe it should it should stop here at this point of time. And uh, while implementation and how is it being executed will be another factor, but the, the intention of the ruling is, is a noble one. It's a noble cause. Yeah. Chua, while we have you, how did you quit? It happened during the MCO. You, you Habits change. I no longer can go out. Uh... I changed my job. There's a period of like a one month uh, resting at home. Uh, basically, you need every... Because it's such a strong addiction, you see. So you need to change all of your habits, your surrounding. Then it happens that way. Lah. Yeah, It just stop because the, everything changed. Environment, habits. Yeah. 
Chua, thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, we actually have, as I said, a number of others who have uh, messaged in to talk about their uh, challenges with smoking and their opinions as well. I think we have some time for a few of them. Uh, Thora says, I used to smoke when I was young. The cool factor is a big influencing factor that pushed me to smoke. How I quit was knowing how, uh, knowing the how to stop and what nicotine triggers. I'm all for the ban, but it should come with education. Mm. You know, I w- I'm still thinking about what Chua said. Um, and how and how it took a change of environment. And that's so true, right? Partly because the addiction is strong, but also the fact that it's woven into the habits of your day. Mm. Um, the fact that it, it, there are certain times at which you smoke. Uh, the fact that when you go to work, for instance, you have people you smoke with. You know, there are all these things that come into play. And if everything stops, or if you had an ideal situation in which to stop, it might be easier. Now, that's not feasible for everyone, but you know. Do you remember the episode of Friends where Rachel um, finds out that she can't make connections and friends in the office because she's not with the smoking gang? Yes. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot because it's funny in the show, but it's actually a reality if if those are your friends and now you can't hang out with them anymore. Um, I think we have time for just one more. Um, MK says, everyone knows smoking starts from school. I myself fell victim to this and it's been hard for me to quit ever since. I would suggest that teachers um, teachers uh, end up enforcing and that the law should be imposed on students as well. So, Talking uh, about harsh laws. Yes, but to be clear, it, it is illegal to smoke underage. Exactly. So, so that law is already present. Um, Naim just says, yes, we need laws. Um, and uh, just to close off, keep sending your thoughts through. Um, if you'd like to uh, weighing on this issue of whether we need harsher laws when it comes to smoking, harsher measures, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.